Why would God want to become one of us? This is part four, determine your resolve with love. In our final lesson, the reason God became one of us and lived amongst us is because God had to demonstrate and communicate through his son is this, that world religion has to be put in its place. And understand that world religion has a place because it helps us answer questions that all humans have. For instance, like what happens when we die? Will we see each other again? Do we exist after death? Where do we go? And religion is the place we go to for those kinds of questions. We don't go to politics. We don't go to entertainment. We don't go to our society. Religion is a place we go to for those things. Religion also gives us principles to live by and rules and laws to live by. Religion answers ethical questions and moral questions and offers us boundaries. So religion does have a place in the world. But then Jesus showed up to put religion in its place. Religion doesn't have to take first place in our lives, especially at the expense of mercy, grace, and need. And the thing that happens in all world religions is if religion is first place, then mercy, grace, and need will always suffer. Examples of this, child sacrifice, honor killings, holy wars, crucify, the religious leaders shouted out about Jesus. And all this was justified under the banner of religion, and it pleases God was the assumption. You know, Christianity has not had a pure history, but actually has had a dark history when the banner was religion first. In 1024, when, Pope, when the Pope launched out the Crusaders, it marked a time when religion was first. The Catholic Church was the only church at that time, so if you called yourself a Christian, you were Catholic. And the Pope gave the speech to the church of doing the ethical cleansing as they marched from France all the way to Israel. And the idea was they will cleanse the land all the way to the Holy Land of these pagans, be it Jew or Muslim. And in his speech, he told the people that this is what Christ commands. This is the will of God. And so this became the cry that he did. In order to get recruits actually to join the forces of the crusader, the Pope said anyone who becomes a crusader who joins the forces, the ranks, will have all sins resolved. And let me say, it's what perked up the recruits. That I can be a sinner, I can sin, I can sin, I can sin all the days of my life, but if I join the ranks of the crusaders, my sins are automatically resolved. People are saying, where do I sign up for this? So you see, what happens when religion takes first place? Mercy is right out the door. Grace is out the door. The need is right out the door. Or human beings is out the door. And plus, religion doesn't work in the real world. See, this is the problem with religion. When religion takes first place in our lives, leaders become self-righteous and followers are nothing more than hypocrites. You see, leaders are the ones that are keeping the rules. So because they do it and others don't, they become self-righteous. That's not true of all leaders, but that's what does happen. They're angry at those who don't keep the rules. They put themselves into position. But deep down, the thing is, they would like to be rule breakers themselves. But they see how much fun rule breakers are having, and they don't seem to be stressed like, like me. So when religion takes first place, you're going to have mad, self-righteous leaders or mad, self-righteous, self-appointed leaders. The followers have to pretend they are following the rules, but they're not. So they're the hypocrites. All religions in the world are full of hypocrites, followers that don't keep the rules. Why? Because when religion takes first place, this is what happens. And here's what we find when we read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We notice Jesus was in this constant battle, this constant war with the religious leaders in what we are talking about. And here's what Jesus and the religious leaders had in common. Number one, the law of Moses was important. 
And number two, they both believed that people were important. These were their common values. But what they argued over was how do we prioritize these values? You know, we need to eat. That's a priority. In order to eat, I need to work. That's a priority. If I don't want to work anymore, I just want to eat. Well, that's wrong. School, the same way. I need to go to class. I need to do my homework. When in school, those are the priorities, and we put them in order. But today, I'm going to spend time with my friends and blow off school. No, no, no. You can't do that. That's not correct. No, I, I, I can't do that. I need to go to class because that's the rule. That's the order. Yet, but today, I'm going to change it up. I'm going to call in sick at work and spend time with my family. I'm going to blow off my classes and hang out with my friends. And some days, you might select one day over the other. It may not be right, but that is what we do. And each day, we wake up and we prioritize today what we think is important, and everything else goes under that. You see, in the real world, it is messy. It's inconsistent at times. And Jesus and the religious leaders were in this constant debate and struggle. Not over the law of Moses important, not over people are important. No, the conflict was which one is more important. And then the day came when Jesus would clarify it all. And what bothers religious leaders the most about Jesus is what he would do on the Sabbath. You're supposed to keep the Sabbath holy. It was a day off from labor. Yet what took place was the religious leaders came up with a whole lot of customs and traditions that were added to the law of the Sabbath. Yet Jesus would heal a person in need on the Sabbath. Thus, to the religious leaders, he was breaking the Sabbath. There's nothing in the law of Moses that says, Thou shalt not heal on the Sabbath. But then finally, Jesus had enough of this. And then one day, as Jesus and his apostles were walking through a huge, were walking along, a huge crowd in tow, which included common folks and religious leaders. And when they were walking, they came into a wheat field, and the apostles began to break off the tops of the wheat and eat the kernels of heads of the wheat. It was like a snack as you're walking along. And the religious leaders accused Jesus that his followers were harvesting on the Sabbath. What they were doing was work. It was harvesting, they said. And let's just say they're right because they were basically threshing the grain into the palms of their hand. But here's what, here's what Jesus' response was to them in all that. Now it happened when he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he, Jesus, said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry? He and those with him. He went into the house of God on the, in the days of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priest, and also gave some of those to those that were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. And so, you guys, you've read the Bible and what, J what David did, and because of their need of food and all the priest had was only showbread, that by law was only the priest eat the showbread, but they gave it to David and his men. The value of a person superseded the law as David experienced, as the priest gave him the showbread. And then Jesus makes the classic statement just to top it all off with the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It wasn't like God had all these great 
you know, laws created before man. Then one day he decided, oh, well, I need to create people so they can keep these great laws that I have. I mean, what good are having great, incredible laws if you don't have people? And Jesus is saying, no, that's not what happened. Man was not made for the Sabbath, for the law. And Jesus was saying the law is important and people are important, yet God created the people first, then God created the law. The law is for people, not people for the law. Just like parents didn't have children, so there's someone to mow the lawn or to load the dishwasher or take out the trash. And that's the same idea. Listen, our God is a perfect heavenly father. He did not create people for the law. No, he created a law for the people. So understand why God came to earth to be one of us. So we would understand God will break rules and laws all for the best interest of his children on earth. We would have never known this unless God came and became one of us and lived amongst each and every one of us. Now, for religious people, this is just way too hard for them to buy into. But it doesn't change the fact that Jesus came to put religion in its place. And that place is not first place. If it's not first, well, things get messy, and that's just the real way it is. That's just the real world that we live in at this time. Then in the Old Testament, from time to time, the nation of Israel became so rule and law-oriented that when they broke a commandment, the rule of the law was go and make a sacrifice at the temple to the Lord for your covering. Let the law or the rule in failure cover you once you have made a sacrifice. So it was sin, sacrifice, sin, sacrifice, sin, sacrifice. But then it got to a point where they're going, well, I'm going to go ahead and sin because I got this rule I can sacrifice, and I know it's wrong, but I'm going to go ahead and do it again because I'll get a sacrifice. I'll go ahead and do it again and do a sacrifice. And then the prophets of God come on the scene, speaking for God, saying, stop it. I don't care about your empty sacrifices. But it's the law, Lord, to sacrifice. How, you know, how can you say you don't care anymore? This is your law. This is your rule you put in there. But here's how he put it in Isaiah 11, uh, 1, 11. The Lord said, the multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me? Says the Lord. I have more than enough burnt offerings of rams, of the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. But wait a minute, Lord. You're the one who set the rules and said to kill the ram and the fattened animals as to sacrifice. So when we sin, yeah, but sin was supposed to be the exception to the rule, not the rule. It's as if you found a divine loophole. And the Lord would say to you, you guys, you think I'm dumb? I'm God. Stop it. It's a routine. There's no heart. There's no change behind it. And then he said, stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. Your new moons, your Sabbaths, your, your convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. And then finally, the Lord says at the very end, he says, listen, learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead for the case of the widow. This is the rule. It has to be love. It has to be a love. There's no divine loophole. Sacrifice was just the exception. Love is what is paramount above everything. Now, when Jesus came along, he got all over this. When he was asked what is the greatest commandment in all the Bible, it was his podium. It was his platform to not only tell them, which they all agreed with Jesus it was, but it was Jesus' opportunity to put religion in its place once and for all. And, of course, we find this in Matthew chapter 22 when Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
This is the first and the great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The greatest commandment has two parts, to love God with all my being. And we all know that's top dog. But wait a minute. Jesus says, no, it's not. For he said the second is like it. Like it means it's equal to. The second keeps us from becoming or being religious. It's measured equal to the first, and so it stops loopholes. It prevents a person from doing just religious things and ignoring what is important to God. And what is the second? It's the love for others. It's the love for our neighbors. It's the love for them like we love ourselves. And all the law and the commands and the prophets hang on these two. That is the summation of the whole Old Testament and even New Testament. The book hangs on love God and love your neighbor. And so my interpretation, your interpretation of the Old Testament and the New Testament is interpreted on that. Application of the whole Bible is applied in that. And whenever you are faced in life with what I don't know what to do, then look and ask, what does love require of me? What does love ask of me? And if we are all confused with the Bible says this, the Bible says that, I don't know what to do, then do what love requires of you to do. Yet the moment we put religion over people, then we are going backwards in Christianity. Listen, we all have a view, we all have a belief, we all have convictions. Yet does that person, in light of all that, stand out as first now, and my views and my belief and my convictions just went into second place. Think about when Jesus died on the cross. He didn't die for principles and precepts. He died for people. Jesus didn't die for the law. Jesus died for the law breakers. Think about Jesus died for people who violated his views, his belief, and his convictions. And you got to remember, Jesus was sinless, so that means he had strong views, strong belief, and a strong convictions. But he died for those who violated his view, belief, and convictions. Jesus didn't die for sin. He died for sinners. And if Jesus could put his view on the back burner for people, then maybe we can too. Why did Jesus come to this world as one of us? For this reason. The fourth lesson, to put religion and all religions in its place, which is second. What's in first place? A love for God and a love for people. That we show mercy, compassion over our views, over our convictions, even over our beliefs. The Bible says love is the pinnacle. Love is paramount. Of faith, hope, and love, love is the greatest. 